No 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 It's your girl Constance Patton. Welcome to the 10th episode of <laughs> Meow Meow. Fucking Rejects. Yay! I'm so happy. Thanks for joining me. Episode number 10. I didn't even think about getting this far. So thanks for everybody that's been listening with me. And uh, you guys are the best. Super good feedback. So work in progress, and I'm happy to take you along on this little big ass journey I'm on. I'm in California right now, sitting in the back of a, like one of those little bike houses. It's kind of a pool house with no pool, but it's pretty much like comparable to every other like pool house I've rented out here, which is my ideal, you know. Living in New York for so long, you live in apartments, as you may also be living in an apartment. Maybe you're not in New York, maybe you're like, I have listeners in Switzerland and places like that. What's up, Switzerland? I want to go out there. Um, but... You know, the thing about apartments is you got people on your walls all the time, on your ceiling, on your floors all the time, and that shit is annoying. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm probably the annoying one. I'll, like, straight up play, like, Lil Wayne over and over again, or I'm like, ooh, I just found this new old jam. I'll play, like, Bill Evans or some emo shit, uh, like, over and over (laughs) again. So I'm the actual annoying one, super hypocritical of me. Anyway, so I'm, I came to L.A. to celebrate the Contact High exhibition with Photoville. It was amazing. If you're in L.A. area, like, it's really worth coming down. It's by uh, celebrating the book by Vicki Toback and her book, Contact High. It's everywhere. It was, like, on Forbes today. It's a bestseller, and it is a history of hip-hop through contact sheets. So photographers like Baron Claiborne, um, Ithaca Papas, Jeanette Beckman, Drew Caroline, like, it's dope. Ricky Powell's part of it. 
is amazing. And Fab Five Freddy is the uh, artistic director of the book, and it's, it's just a real celebration of the photographers who created you know, these iconic images that we've seen from Slick Rick to Salt and Pepper to, of course, Biggie Most Deaf, Nipsey Hussle, freaking Tyler Creator, Aaliyah. And there's a film to go along with it. It's amazing. Like, check it out. It's worth it. And then it's also part of Photoville, which is having their inaugural year in Century City. And they're all part of the same uh, space, the Annenberg space for photography. It's the shit. It's so crazy to see, like, how hip-hop has gone. Like, how far has it come? Like, I consider myself literally hip-hop. I know I'm like... I dress like a wizard and shit sometimes. But I am hip hop, man. I'm like a representation of it. The earliest memories I have was trying to like write down the raps from the radio. You remember when you had to like, you put the tape deck in and you gotta like push play, push sauce, like stop, play, pause, play, pause. Trying to get the lyrics down and rap. I was like rapping to Foxy Brown and the Firm and um, didn't know what I was saying. like. <laughs> They used to be talking about the Allens, and I used to be like, where are these Allens? Like, my family's name is Allen. I'm sorry, no, I thought there was a, a place called the Allens that all the rappers go to, and I was like, when I grow up, I'm gonna go to the Allens. But it's the, it's the pronunciation of islands in New York. So I was like rapping about the Allens and all that shit. I am not a rapper, though. I was a, I was a orchestra child, very nerdy. Indeed. But anyway, enough about that. Check out that show. It's dope. So to celebrate photographers, I today I am featuring my friend Paris. He's an um, amazing photographer. We met a couple years ago. We were both named as Brooklyn 100 and Brooklyn Magazine uh, influential people. It was it was dope. It was a lot of like a really a lot of people that are doing some really rad shit, and that we met through there. And then kind of like you know, you build your circle based on. Stuff like that. Ran into my Afropunk, and ever since then, like, he's been homie. So, um, yeah, he's from the Bronx, from Parkchester, representing. We talk about a lot of stuff. We have a meal in the middle. We ate Chinese food. I cut some of it out, but, you know, I do what I want, Mom. No, I'm just playing. Yeah, so if you're sensitive to that, then, I don't know, just 15 second your way through it, I guess. It's some cool content. We talked a lot. It was really fun. Uh, we talk about, like, just a bunch of shit. You'll hear it. Anyway, so I don't want to keep this part short. I, be, I can ramble, as you know. I can talk and talk and talk. I can straight up talk for, like, four hours straight. And even now, I'm like, oh, keep it short. I don't know how to keep it short. I don't want to keep it short. Before I go away, what are you doing? My week's been pretty cool. Man, that show was just so epic. Freaking... Beyonce was basically there, like she wasn't there, but her mom was there, which is like she's half of her mom, so she was kind of there, and Kelly Rowland was there, so kind of like more than half of Beyonce was there. That shit was dope. I met Amanda Seals and shook her hand. She's amazing, she's so pretty in real life and just amazing and talented and funny and all that stuff and kind. Uh, my, my new friend Haley Marie Norman was in the house looking gorgeous and it was a real, it was real interesting, real interesting mix of people, all types of people uh, coming together to celebrate photography and art. And it was, I mean, super showed up. It was dope. So go see it. Let me know if you go see it. The, all the images are great. Baron like literally blessed them with the crown. So the crown Biggie wore 
for his iconic shoe. And it's cool because like he's been using crowns in his work for so long. And to see kind of like the, uh, I mean, if you looked at his, his Instagram or like you Google his stuff, in his early work, he's using crowns. And uh, there's actually a shot of Mary J that was taken before Biggie with a crown on, which I've seen, but I think, I don't think it's released at all. Maybe it will be one day, but so it's pretty interesting to see, you know, kind of where it's taken. It's really, yeah, it's, it's dope. Like, like right when you walk in the show, it's like Ricky Powell's work and with the giant contact sheets of, I mean, it was dope. Jamel Shabazz, just, Mwah, magnifique. Great job, guys. I won't hold you up. I'm going back to New York soon, trying to soak up this Cali weather, riding around, getting it. It's been a blast. Oh, shit, I got to go to the Cartoon Network offices. Man, it's like next to the mountains. Thanks, Mike, for, for showing me around, bringing me in, talking some talk, trying to figure some stuff out, some new stuff. But that was amazing. If you're a cartoon head like me, I was like, I'm like, is this where they made Dexter? <laughs> is this where they made Ed, Ed, and Eddie? Is this where they made Powerpuff Girls? Like, I was dying. And then I got to see some of the new shows that are coming out. If you know me, you know I love cartoons. I love animation. It's my favorite art form. You know, from like The Last Unicorn, the like anime, to uh, really my favorite, Bugs Bunny. Like, duh. But the Looney Tunes and all that stuff. So it was really cool seeing how it's laid out and stuff. So it's been a learning experience. Are you learning anything new? Everyone is, right? What are you learning? Tell me. You can send me an email, ConstancePatton.com, uh, ConstancePatton at gmail.com, Instagram, Studio with a K, F and Rejects without the U, F-C-K-I-N-G, Rejects on Instagram. And please, 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 Rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Tell a friend. Word of mouth is really great if you want to help me. And, yo, I love you. You're the fucking best. And I'm going to have to get into it. This, uh, that's what Obama does. He's like, uh, I'm not going to do that again. Uh, just kidding. So, yeah, so I'm going to talk to Paris. We talked in the earlier part of April. And, yeah, go check out his work. I'm going to put links in all the stuff. Um, check it out. His work is dope. It's, it's really amazing to see. And I love you. All right, man. Peace. Actually, a West Indian, like that's a Jamaican dancehall guy. Like right his now. first name should be Winston. Uh, Baron Winston. is fine. Baron Winston Claiborne. Baron Claiborne. Winston Claiborne. <laughs> Are you West Indian? Yeah. Because you, now. that accent. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, And I was raised around a bunch of West Indians, but my father is from Ghana and Jamaica. Um, saw a picture for, of him for the first time uh, in August of last year. Really? I swear to God. I'm 34. You're 34? I'm 34. I thought you were like 28. I love it. Hey, God bless. Um, God bless them African jeans. <laughs> well, okay. So oh, so this is what I was saying, because I even started on the tangent about new money. Um, so my homie was like, yo, if you want to buy jeans, go to Levi's. And I'm like, I, I buy Levi's all the time, but they always rip. He goes, I don't know. You got to buy the cut and sew at Levi's. And I'm like, the fuck is that? He goes, nigga. Them shit say no $50, and they ain't on sale. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about, yo? Really? 
Yeah, this shit started like one thirty. But you get it, they cut it to you and stuff. Um, so these are just off the rack, but like a finer denim, which you can feel it. Thick. It's just better quality. Better everything. quality. Yeah, yeah, for real. And then the fully custom joints, I think, started like seven hundred and go up to like twelve hundred. But then you're gonna have them literally your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, yeah, and, I don't buy shit unless I'm like, they, I buy the nice stuff. And they, and they, those are tailor made, like those, and you can get custom patches and whatnot. Like I don't like shit like that, but like you could do that. And as you just said, like you might spend eight hundred dollars, but like if I'm paying, literally, I bought in 2018, I bought four pairs of jeans. How many can I wear now? One. Oh the yeah. Fuck. Like no, I they lost. Rip. I lost all that money. You know? It's a wrap. Yeah. All right, let's get it going. It's recording. Are we recording? That's hilarious. We started talking about them. Yeah. What's in your jeans? Well, um, okay, yeah. So we started recording. Now, first of all, thanks for coming to my studio. Of course. And sitting here. LES, represent. In the Lower East Side. <laughs> I fucking love this neighborhood so much. Hey. It's like literally when I first moved to New York, I was always lost and I would look around and I'd be like, oh, and I would be in this neighborhood. Really? Mm-hmm. It's funny that you get yep. lost in this neighborhood and it's the one you choose because you really can't like it's impossible to give people directions in this neighborhood yeah you can't right like like yeah. everything is every which way like this neighborhood yeah with actually street messes names. your head like it's not an easy place to navigate unless no. you know it no it's not but I love it but Rosario's here so I stay looking for her I love her y'all did a project with her <laughs> shout out to Rosario hey, I stay Rosario. looking for you creatively I just She's wanna work with you girl so fucking rad I just wanna work with her She's Straight so up. right. You will. You yeah, will. Yeah, Put it yeah, out yeah. there. You yeah, will. Yeah, it just happened. Yeah, she's great. Um, and she's no. humble. Like she, she's. And this is what I like about LES people in general. LES people in general always have like all the different components, right? Mm-hmm. Like all the, all the. You know, as my friend said, uh, you got friends in low places. <laughs> yeah. Friends in high places. Yeah. LES people, like for a fact, that's like every LES person you ever met. However, unlike most other hoods or other parts of New York. At least in my experience, they're quiet about it, right? So they yeah. just, they show up regular no matter where they are. Yeah. And then like if you play around and you figure out you you know messed up, right? But yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Les really like they they you'll see people from Les, which is its own hood. Let's just keep it real. Yeah. But being everyone else's hood with no problem. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Les. So um, you come from New York? Yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. Tell from me about from, from the Bronx originally. Yeah. From uh, born and raised in the Bronx, Parchester. Shout out. Okay. What's up? Uh, I like the Bronx. The Bronx, so Parkchester on the six train, mm-hmm. last stop. Okay. Last. So, stop like, what street local. would that be? They call it one hundred and seventy-seven. Damn. <laughs> That's so crazy. <laughs> 177th Street? Yeah, yeah, in the Bronx. So that's like deeper than like 207 in Washington Heights or whatever. Uh Um, But Parkchester is crazy. Like if we're just purely talking history, the history of Parkchester is wild. Like to grow up in it, I realize now, um, was a blessing for many reasons because if we're calling it for what it is, Parkchester is the original projects. Really? Yes. Parkchester is the original. Those giant, giant buildings. The brown joints. Like when you're when you're driving. Queensbridge, up your, yeah, yeah. Forty projects. Yeah. You know, polo grounds, all this. So the original project started after World War II as a project mm-hmm. to give affordable housing to soldiers returning home and their families. Mm-hmm. And then the concept behind it was we're gonna install everything you need in this area so that you don't need to leave. We're gonna put places where you can work. We're gonna put grocery store, dry cleaner. Oh. Parkchester has a Macy's. Oh. 
Really? You understand? We have our own Macy's. That's crazy. Right? You put all of that in it and you make it, you know, kind of nice and like relatively, you know, uh, parks and all this other stuff. So same people that designed Parkchester here uh, in the Bronx um, did, uh, what do you call it? Stuyvesant Town. Oh, okay. So okay. literally the map. It's a town. Yeah, Peter Cooper Village, yeah. same joint, right? Yeah. When you look like, if you spend time in any one of those three areas, you don't need to go to the other two. They are all laid out the same. That is crazy. Right? So the original housing that. project was Parkchester, okay. and that was the big vision with Did the Did you parks. guys live there? Yeah, absolutely. I okay. lived there since I was 11. So that oh, okay. was like the whole everything, and that was the original concept. So the original mm-hmm. people it was designed for were white folks, right? Poor, working-class white people. Mm-hmm. And they would do stuff like have people whose job in Parkchester was to just make sure no one stepped on the grass. Oh. Right? To just make sure people curbed their dog. Mm-hmm. Right? And then what they would do is if you were caught with any infraction, you or your kids, they give you a warning. Right? right. And something like two or three warnings and you out. You can't Damn. even live there. Right? For like your dog shitting? All of it. Right? And so oh, that boy. was a way. No, but let's what if just, you got like a wild ass kid though? But here's the thing. Going back to like history and this is something I always respected my grandmother for being honest about, which is tough in this culture and I think even as a as a as a people, as Americans, it's hard to be honest about things that are not so uh, pretty. Mm-hmm. But like, less some things you you can't honestly talk about them without the the ugly stuff. Right. right? Yeah. And so some things you don't need to, but other things like you can't talk about the history of economics in America without talking about slavery. You can't talk about the history of economics in America without talking about uh, the investment into uh, predominantly white immigrant groups. Right. Oh God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And at the same time, redlining in predominantly black immigrant and mm-hmm. and uh, immigrant neighborhoods, right? And mm-hmm. so with Parkchester, the project, right, the concept was we're going to elevate these poor working class white folks who are returning soldiers into the next middle class. Okay. We're okay. going to teach them no, you don't walk your dog here. You do it there. No, you don't do this. Da, da, da. Your kids ain't running around crazy. Like, and we're going to literally, it's a, a giant social experiment. That's pretty crazy. We're going to elevate all of them up, you know, two, three levels than what they would normally get to without our help and without, like, the boom from winning the wars. And yeah. then that whole group moved to Westchester. Huh. Okay, okay. That was the people that got that's, to Westchester. That's right? pretty crazy. And, and if you really look at the geography of that, the Bronx and Westchester is it's like one stop on the... Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, they went up a little bit, yeah. So I'm from the Bronx. I'm from Parkchester. By the time I came along in the 80s, unfortunately, you could say that they had already given up or let go of that project. Right, yeah. Right, because so, I, I think it's interesting you say that because it, like... In Detroit, we don't really have projects mm-hmm. like that. It's mm-hmm. not like this. Like there's the projects there are much smaller scale because you can get a house and then Section Eight and there's other ways to subsidize yeah. it. But, More space probably too. Oh, you get a house. Like you'll have a house. It might be shitty in a shitty neighborhood, but you'll get a, you'll be able to have a house. You know what I mean? Like. And meanwhile, people from New York only know one one Detroit. Right? We know Eight Mile. Eight Mile. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I think everyone now people are going yeah. out there. Now, Eminem like, made like literally. Eminem was my favorite rapper in high school. Yeah. Yo and. I, I, would, I would like He's beef dope. with people because like, uh, when I was 11 my mom and I moved to Harlem uh-huh. so then we were in Harlem I would beef with people in my building and like on the block because I would defend Eminem like yo who's better at rapping than him <laughs> who's a better rapper you could say who has more street cred I feel like you're about this, to argue other. with me about something that I don't have anything to, I didn't ask I'm not debating yeah yeah no, I, can see I, I don't even want to. Yeah, I, because and here's the only he thing. Dope, here's the only thing I say about Eminem later, and I think both things need to be respected. A, 
Eminem is a battle rapper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have to respect that, that he's the most successful battle rapper in history. There's never been a battle rapper who's able to move from that circuit into a mainstream circuit like at all. Like, really, yeah. at all, yeah. ever. Yeah. Um, but frankly, the fact that he did it for 2000 or 2010, no one sold more records. Yeah. And he never did an international tour. He was like Elvis in that respect. He didn't? Nah. I'm like from there. I don't even know all these. You right. love Eminem? Yo, because... Have you met him? Never. Not yet. His you respect for language, his respect for words, his wordplay, uh, the fact that he made it cool to be kind of quirky and nerdy when yeah. I, I felt more relatable to that than like yeah, trying to be a gangster at like 14. You are no gangster. I'm not. No. Right? And so like when you come from where I come from, unfortunately, that's the model of male success. Mm -hmm. Right? You got to look like this. You got to talk like this, act like this. Now, that period doesn't last very long because unfortunately, most people in that zone burn out. Right? Yeah. They get yeah. shot or they get caught up or whatever well, they, they get move, someone pregnant right. yeah, they leave or, town. but yeah. even that like even yeah. that to some degree don't happen as much as you want like no. you want you want people to get out yeah right that's like if you really think about the the problem of uh systemic poverty systemic uh, uh violence and and cycles of babies having babies like mm -hmm. you want someone to get out i got mm -hmm. out when i was mm -hmm. 17 i moved to brazil for a year you did First time I came back to New York, I was driving through my hood, like through Harlem, knowing I was going to go live with my grandmother because she was like, Paris, you should not go back to your neighborhood. Okay. Like, you need to get your mind right. Yeah. And whatever energy you're feeling and inspiration in Brazil, you need to be able to translate that into new behavior in New York. I don't think that's going to happen when you go back to your block. No, it won't. So how'd you end up going to Brazil? Um, I thought I was going... <laughs> this is crazy. I was part of the Latino... You were 17. I was 17. Okay. I was part of the Latino Student Union in my high school. Very nice. I'm not Spanish. I'm not Latino, right? So, but yeah. my friend in high school, my like best friend in high school, went to the same elementary school, yeah. same junior high, same high school. He was the president. Oh, so okay. I was vice president because that's my man. You're yeah, doing yeah. it. I'm doing it. But he's helping. You're probably helping him. I'm helping way. him. But like, but team, like but when you're that age, shit, yo, like, how did you end up in any organization? It's like, are the girls gonna be uh, there? That's how it is now. Right? Is it gonna be yeah. girls? All right, cool. Let's do this. Yeah. So, but it was very organized. Like black student organizations. Unfortunately, uh, I still don't see that level of uh, uh, intergenerational um, support. So mm -hmm. this organization is called Aspira. Um, if they're still around, shout out to Aspira. Aspira? Yeah, okay. because what they were doing is they had chapters in every high school. And then on Saturday, they had a headquarters, which was staffed by personnel, people making salary. Um, and you would meet at the headquarters on Saturday, all the high schools. Okay, okay. And so now you meet girls really cool. from all the high schools. Yeah, but like, yeah, yeah, it was dope, right? And so like, I so went... So where'd you guys meet? Like at the... At we met in elementary school. school. Okay. No. Met, oh, no, where the did the... Unions and, uh, so the student union, we met in the school for the local clubs during the week. And then on Saturday, all the clubs met at the headquarters. Okay. One of the things you would do with these weekend things is they would talk about current events and community outreach and like all this stuff. Uh, but in particular, one of the things that was like super dope was this idea that... Uh, you could, I, I think they mentioned like scholarships. Mm -hmm. And at the time, all I knew for scholarships was college. Yeah. So you got a scholarship to go? So I thought I was going to a meeting about college scholarship. It was a study abroad program. Oh, Scholarships for that. Yeah. And now all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I want to go to Japan. Uh-huh. And they were like, no, nah, you can't go to Japan. You don't speak Japanese. You don't have history with the language. They're like, like no, homie. It's not a good fit. A we have found they, Americans they want you to go, and learn something, go yeah. for a year and they like get too much culture shock. Yeah. So they sold my mom on Brazil. My mom sold me on the girls in Brazil. 
I went to Brazil. Do you speak Brazilian or Portuguese? Do you speak Brazilian? I mean, it's kind of like saying you speak Dominican, right? Yeah, like, I know. It's yeah. not the same as Spanish. I know it's not. Yeah. Um, Do you speak Portuguese? I speak Portuguese, yeah, yeah. But I speak very conversational and probably like rudimentary. Like I can get through the most like like the things that I would want to do at 17 in Brazil, mm-hmm. I learned how to say. Okay. <laughs> like, uh, like what? Like, can I have a beer? Yeah. And, but they teach you that stuff. How do right? you, you say that? Me uh, da um cerveja. Oh, you sound so cool. <laughs> right? Which is not can I. It's more like give me a beer. <laughs> I, and I speak enough. I speak German, but like that amount of it. But okay. it's like, I'm beer pizza. Like, there's pizza. Like, it's all like banking and all that stuff. Like, in yeah. around time. But that was the thing that I love yeah. about Brazil. Two things. One is, I think, and it's still something that I don't have an answer for. I think it's really just like to some degree acceptance, but unless you look a certain way in America, you are made to feel like you're other. Right. Right? Yeah. And that has racial elements, that has gender elements, that has socioeconomic elements, Mm -hmm. right? And so most people are othered their entire existence in America. And then the more you like specify that to wherever you grew up, Mm -hmm. same thing. Brazil was one of the first places where I went there, and I was like, yo, most of the people here look like me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I grew up in Detroit, so yeah. I grew up in in that environment. Okay, where it was but like, it was like yeah. so weird. Yeah. It was so weird. that. So, like, so is it really, I've never been to Brazil. Is it really like, what do you mean all the people look like you? So Brazil has the largest uh, uh, population of descendants from Africa in the world. Do they? Okay. Yeah, and specifically the Northeast, Bahia, okay. which is where I live. And so w- what you have is a direct connection from Africa that has largely uh, sewn itself into the culture of Brazil. And so you can't talk about any cultural anything out of Brazil. It could be the food, the sounds, mm-hmm. the music, and the art, any of it, and not feel and see the influence of Africa. You can see the whitewashing for sure. You can yeah. see the ways... That like a lot of like expats who were fleeing pros- uh, fleeing prosecution from uh, uh, war crimes mm-hmm. you know, during World War Two, yeah, sure. which is making this conversation go circular yeah. back to World War Two. Yeah. Uh, they went to South America. Okay. Right? Okay. A lot of Germans went to South America. Right. They were like in um, uh, Argentina, yep. places like that. Yeah, yeah. They went to the South. Right. Uh-huh. A lot of Italians went to South America. Yeah. Right. Unfortunately, they brought some of that same fascism with them. They brought some of that same right mentality, and so. You have, which is wild crazy, you have entire uh, towns in Brazil that only speak Italian. Only speak German. That's wild. In Brazil? Everyone's blonde and blue. I swear to God. You have entire parts of Brazil where, like, if you don't speak German, you can't get through that city. I didn't know that. That place, yeah. Yeah, so did you go to some of those places? No. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're like, no, 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 no. I'm good. So what happened after that? So so after um, you came back here, like, what was the, the big difference, like, at, at 18? Yeah. Um, the single biggest one, and it's it's one that, like, from time to time I need to leave and, and, like, experience it again just to, like, get it back in my body. Yeah. Do you go back there? Nah, or different countries. places? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other experiences. I, I want to go back. I haven't gone back since I was 17. Okay. But the biggest thing for me is, like, and this is real, like, it's, it's so hard, but it's so true. As hard as it was for me growing up and as difficult as it is to be a black boy growing up in the city for real, for real, mm-hmm. in New York in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, as tough as that was and is, 
you can't compare it to the poverty in Brazil. No. Yeah. You, like, I wasn't prepared for the poverty yeah. in Brazil. Like, the poverty level in Brazil was something that, like, it was so far from my life experience mm -hmm. that it, like, it hurt me the first time I saw yeah. it. And it, it didn't take long. Like, I didn't have to, like, go looking for it in Brazil. Like, no, the first day I'm, like, I'm landing in Brazil. Very fucking rich. Yeah, there's yeah. a kid. Yeah. There was a kid. First day, they put me in a city. Uh, doesn't even count as a city. It's a town. 30,000 people. Super small, but I'm going to shout them out. Copasones, which is like, okay, cool. I'm there. And shout out to my family there who, like, nice. looked out for me. And, like, I learned my first words with them. And they had a three-year-old daughter. And, like, she was the one that would, like, hold up scissors and, like, say the word. Oh, like, she was. You know, paper. And, like. She was like, I was a teacher my yeah, last life. Yeah. So. Libro. Yeah. Right? And, like, and then I would learn the words, like, E.T. style. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, but here's the thing. My first day there, I see a kid who basically is homeless, broke, and what does he do? He goes into little bars and whatever. And this is a small place. There's only like one bar in the whole town yeah. or whatever. Uh, and he basically just gets ridiculed and manhandled and embarrassed. And they pull down his pants and smack his bare ass. What? And like kick him around. Yo. And that and he dealt all that for a soda. I swear I've been, I've seen so many fucked up things from traveling and, and, and knowing that like being in America, being here at all, and or not even being black, just being somebody that came from, a, you know, from being poor and stuff. Yeah. Like, when you go other places, like, you you are, you're very, we're pretty fucking wealthy. So, literally, know? as I was thinking, because, yeah. like, right now, I'm like, Paris, you're on so many tangents. Let's you could be on tangents. Let's bring it back. What's the connection? And this is, this is what clicked, like, as you were speaking, and also just, like, yeah. the shape of things. The question for me that just bubbled up is, like, what do we do as a culture with our rejects? Um, you know what I'm saying? And how, how, how do we navigate Cultural that? rejects. Well, because yeah, the podcast yeah. is fucking rejects. Yeah, right? I guess, so like... If we yeah, look at the first I mean, example I gave with soldiers, yeah. once you're done serving, we're done with you. Uh -huh, uh -huh, well, uh -huh. in World War One, what did we do? Or World War Two, what did we do? We gave them an entire bridge to a new life. Yeah. Now, obviously, you have to buy into certain beliefs and whatever to get that life. But the reality is, like, we made a direct path between being a veteran and owning a house and being middle class. Yeah. And, and it was a straight line. Like, uh -huh. do this, 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 uh -huh. this. You will have this and this and this. Uh -huh. Right? That's what we did when you looked a certain way, acted a certain way, did a certain thing in the 50s. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really tough thing because really... Because I feel like because of colonialism, they've just gone in and fucked up so many places. So it's not really a matter of of like what we can do. I think that um, I'm like leave them the fuck alone. Maybe like leave people alone. Like stop going in there and imposing your shit. Because every time you come, there's war. There's like famine and all this stuff. So for me, like one of the illest moments of my life okay. was when I was in the Himalayas. I did this residency, and what? it was like wow. I was, it was like wild, right? Yeah. It was I mean, really wild to be up in the Himalayas, yeah. like in this like not a town. It was just like a little village, and we had gone out on a on a trip. It was like a trip to go. It was like a cultural exchange. I'm the only black person there, well, for sure, besides the Indians, because they're all like, they were calling me like, brother. Yeah, yeah they yeah, were yeah. like brother, and I was like, yeah, brother, you know. And so we were like on this mountain ridge overlooking like rice patties you know and all this stuff is like like the terraces that are cut into the mountains like really crazy so we go up there and the the guides they're uh the people that organize residency they're they're fucking assholes so they take us around they're just yeah. they're at such assholes so they take us to this like town and yeah. with all these white girls whatever only white only women 
Like, they didn't know. No guys were in it. It was just me. Is that just how it worked out? Well, I think they probably, because of such, what the bullshit they pulled on us, I think that, um, well, basically, we were supposed to be in a town of Almora that's, like, got 30,000 people. When we showed, when I showed up, there were, we drove into the mountains four hours, and it was a house Mm -hmm. on top of the mountain, and that's it. So, they sent us brochures with, like, a bustling city. Yeah. Yeah. So, it was, it was, and it was four hours away. So, I ended up leaving uh, the residency early and and going to that town, which was a big, it was a city. It was popping, right? But I'm like, all right, fuck it. Like, I'm up here. I ain't, I'm never... I've never thought about coming up here before. You know, it was just, I have questions. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, well, we're here now, and mm-hmm. so um, we're we're going through on this ridge and checking out this little town. And pe- it's not even a town; it's like this little tiny village. And people are like looking at us. For me, they just are like, oh, what up? Like when I walked in, everyone was just like, oh. Yeah. And so I was homies with all the people that owned the space we were in. The cooks, yeah. like they were giving me like herbals and everything like that. Yeah. And it, it was. It was amazing. They were bring me extra wood for my fire and shit. It was really cool. So, but anyway, we're walking, and um, there's like the team split up, and the our organizers went one way, and then the guy that ran the hotel where we were staying in, he was going another way. He's telling us come with me. Now he don't speak no English, mm-hmm. and so I'm like, I'm gonna go with him though because he he lives here. It's he knows local. the space, and the other guys, their their parents grew up there, like or their grandparents did. They don't really have a connection with the place. Okay. So I go with them couple of women come with me. And then uh, we're just kind of going to the shops with chickens and shit running around. And this, this woman comes up to us, this old woman, and she was super dark-skinned, like like hazel brown eyes, yeah. blonde hair, and she had a do-rag kind of over it. Wow. And she was like, she had all this fruit in her hand, these oranges. Yeah. And she goes up to the to the white women, and she's, got, she's like handing them the oranges. And she's like yeah. pleading with them something. Like, I don't know yeah. what she's saying. And so, um, by then, the organizers had circled back around, and we're like, what is she saying? So, like, what is she saying? And they're like, oh, nothing. She's just crazy. She's old and crazy, right? Yeah. So, I'm like, it was an awkward situation. So, I go up to her, and I'm like, let me take this fruit, because this lady's tripping. She's like, oh, no, no, no. Like, she doesn't want to give it to me, right? Mm-hmm. But she's looking at me like, you're good. And then I'm like, oh. The, someone else, uh, one of the other organizers says, oh, it's because she's asking them to please leave kindly. The last time that they were here, they messed up everything. She's old enough to have seen that shit. And there are, there, I don't think there's been white people up there, like, so where they were. Or yeah, yeah, wow. colonizers. She was afraid of colonialism. She was like, she knows, she, she knows what y'all That story did not go what I thought it was going. And she knew, and I, so I was like, oh, yeah. so with me, she's like, oh, no, you're good. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're Like, fine. you're fine. Wow. It was the illest moment I ever tried. And I was wow. like, it was like... Wow, so the women are like, they're you know they feel bad, but I'm like, oh, sure. she's she's not telling any lies. Our Chinese mm. food is here. I'm gonna go get it. Food. Um, that shit was so crazy though. Wow. I was like, well, that's what that's what y'all get. Quit fucking with people. So that's why I'm like, just don't. What do they it's say? It's almost the, like leave us alone. The the sins of the father. Yeah. Straight. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you? Mm-hmm. Is your family? Do you have any Chinese roots? No. 
maybe, but no. Have you like, been to China? No, not yet. I really want to go. I will go there. I'm gonna tell you something wild, but you'll believe me. The Chinese food in China changes your life. I couldn't eat Chinese in New York for a year afterwards because yeah. it was so ridiculously fresh. I couldn't eat Indian food for a long time. Because mm. I was like, this isn't it. This, I couldn't do yoga here anymore. Yeah. I was like, that is aerobics, lady. <laughs> that is not yoga. That is not yoga. This yoga is does not involve drinking wine during the class. Listen. Or playing fucking Katy Perry or some shit like that. <laughs> I'd be so angry. I don't want to hear your playlist. <laughs> I don't want to hear your playlist. Nobody want to hear your playlist. <laughs> That's what most of these services are about, right? Mm-hmm. Subtle ways to be like, listen to my music. Yeah, I'm like, I don't want to hear this stuff. Okay. Now this is an ASMR podcast. <laughs> it really is. Where we eat food. I'm about to lean in close to the mic and whisper. Mm-hmm. Use a bunch of S consonants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pop your peas. Exactly. Mm-mm-mm. Man, oh man. So creatively, what's the stuff that's been like on your mind lately or like in your heart? Right now, this podcast. Yeah? Yeah, I've been working towards doing this for a long time. I, I, start, I started, well, first of all, like, I love radio. I love voices. Mm-hmm. I'll put, I listen to podcasts probably 80% of the things I listen to. Who do you love? Oh, I have many love affairs. Um, I love My Favorite Murder. That's my favorite podcast. What but is it? It's about, it's a true crime comedy podcast. Comedy? Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's these two girls, super conversational. They're just With? Talk, telling each other true crime stories. So they'll be like talking about. So they John both Wayne just have Gacy. to be passionate about. But yeah, yeah. Do you know what it's like? They met at a party. Talk. One was talking about some tragedy that she had just seen, and everyone was like bumming out pretty bad and backing up. Another and then one the was other like, one was like, "Tell me more." Yeah. yeah. So they started it. I really love uh, Mark Maron's podcast. That was kind of my favorite one. Um, his is actually probably my favorite one, just because I like that he has this thing and he does it virtual so and it's like this thing he's been really doing for a long time even if i don't listen to all i don't listen to all the interviews mm-hmm. i really like his style um i listen to oh there's one called front of house i just started listening to it's my okay. friend emily panic's partner lillian and then her her partner kelly okay. and um the, it's about like restaurant industry mm. and i bartended for so long it's wildly relatable and they're funny you know, those three are kind of... They're listening like, Risk, the podcast. and um, one? That one is by Kevin Allison, and it's, like, about just stories that you never thought you would tell. So, okay. a lot of, like, really sex-positive shit in there. Dope. world needs more of that. Yeah, and so, um, yeah, I, I listen to those, and, and probably those are the ones on my heavy rotation right now. Okay. But it changes, though. Like, I'm looking through my list. So yeah, and then there's one called uh, pod, last podcast, last podcast on the left. They, it's kind of like true crime, yeah. And then there's um, oh this one called this might get weird that was just started by Grace Selvig and Amy Hart, and they they were YouTubers back in the day. Okay. And they're just kicking it. They why do you show. think? Why do you think it is that the podcast, and and this is not necessarily like the scientific answer, but cultural question, mm-hmm. in an era where we have access to 5K and 4K and HD and all these great visual mediums are exploding faster than ever. Why do you think the podcast 
now is hotter than it's ever been. It is really hot, I know. Just curious, yeah. like, what's your thoughts? I think that um, it's a newer form, and I think that, because when I started doing uh, audio projects, we didn't really call them podcasts, we just were like, we knew kind of what podcasting was, so it was, it was different because, oh, you know, also, uh, access for me, because back in the day, my friends worked in the AV department, so I can go there, mm-hmm. get equipment, rent the studio, mm-hmm. you know, do the thing, record it, whatever, mix it, but now, I don't have to do that, like, Okay, so this is a, my last punk rock sounding podcast with mm-hmm. you, with mm-hmm. Paris, mm-hmm. because I bought like a studio, basically one that I can roll around with and uh, has a couple mics, mixer. It's tight. It's like, but I can buy that now, and right. it was like under a G mm-hmm. to buy that. And, and otherwise, I have to go and, and figure out like where am I gonna record. I got to pay to record. I got to get the equipment. Mm. And the equipment was much more expensive. So I think that is the access. That I think that that might be one thing. And then also, like, now we can do things ourselves. We don't have to wait to get published or wait to get uh, picked up by a radio show. Maybe, I mean, I never really thought about being on someone's radio show, but I definitely love the radio, and I'm not opposed to doing that at some point, you know? But, I'm, but I'm, I guess my curiosity is coming out of, like, it's the lowest... Fidelity of tech, right? It's like low fi tech. Yep. That has always been available since there phone. was internet. Mm-hmm. We had a way to record yourself and put it out there. Yeah. Right? It's an MP3. Yeah. Essentially. I think it's just easier now. Okay. I think it's easier now. Before when we were doing the audio projects, it was it just was much more involved. I mean, the fact that I can just sit here with my computer okay. and record it in my to my computer and edit it right here. And have it with me all the time. It's really powerful. I don't have to like even. I don't even have to plug. I, nothing's plugged in right now. Okay. <laughs> like, only the power is plugged in. My, the one thing that occurred to me just now, and I could be wrong, mm-hmm. um, is also that culturally, there's something that feels very comforting about a podcast. Like yeah, it feels very much like a a form of intimacy. It is, and and really, like my goal is to have this something that someone who knows me or doesn't know me, people that don't know me, but maybe they're interested in in hearing voices, and maybe it's relatable. Like, everyone is going through some fucking rejection, be it with love or a job, your career. Dealing with your own own self or being super critical of yourself or having weight problems or Mm -hmm. what any... There's so many things that it falls under, so... (laughs) it's. I think it is a way... Like, it is really a way to be intimate, to create something, be intimate... And interact with people. And people are lonely, though. Yeah, yeah. Because right, for like, me, I like it. I like it because I can put it on. And I'm by myself all the time, working mm-hmm. in my studio. Mm-hmm. You know, so this is um, this is kind of like a really. Uh, I'm going to be putting up um, artwork to go along with with every episode. So I'm going to love the art you used to like. Yeah. Launch this. Well, series. that was a piece, and also with excuse me. I'm like spitting on rice. Hey, we, we eat. We're eating. <laughs> I'm like, I just slammed that food down so fast. I burped. You're going to hear it. That's you fine. put this back. In real life. In real life. <laughs> I asked um, you a question and went, Bleh. whoa, whoa. That hasn't <laughs> happened to me in years. You're 30, so you just burp now. Yeah, it, it just happens. <laughs> just bodily functions unapologetically <laughs> leave my body. You can't help it. You can't help it. No, I, just, I think it's, it's like a cool form. shit you know? my grandma used to do. Yeah. Just like fart. Just do all the things and, and, and like we're not getting keep it moving. Yeah, we're not getting any no. any apology, any excuse. Me it never happens. It doesn't matter. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay, Grandma. But, um, but... The cats, like, look up. Look oh, my God, yeah. So, uh, but what more about you? What, what about, about you? What about me? No, so we met. Let's. I want to just talk about how we met. How we met. And how did that happen for you with the Brooklyn, um, the Brooklyn magazine? They did a hundred most famous people in New York. No, it wasn't that. Well, it was a hundred most influ- uh, influential people in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and we were both on that list. Mm-hmm. I was like super honored. That was really dope. You yeah, know, yeah. to be making stuff and to get like recognition 20, for what you're doing. Twenty seventeen. Yeah. So how did that happen for you? Um, through one of my clients, actually. So I'm a photographer. I work with a lot of clients for... I started with weddings, but now I do private events, weddings, and uh, editorial, commercial. Um, I guess he got it the year before. Oh, he recommended you? They asked him for recommendations. He said me. And then they asked, you know, sent me an email. And Honestly, I didn't really take it serious at first. Mm-hmm. Because, for one... I think a lot of this stuff is vanity metrics. Well. Right? Don't really, you know, getting published or having an ad or, you know, they don't necessarily affect your sales or um, much of anything in your business. But, you know. You don't think getting published helps? Mm-hmm. I met you. You're on my, my hit podcast right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man, like, so uh, my, my thing of it is this. The system or time that we find ourselves in is one of uh, oxymorons and juxtapositions uh-huh. and, and, and contradictions. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Chew the rice first. Yeah, word. Swallow the rice. So many young people are now pursuing things that they want to do with the intention of doing them for fame. Oh my God, right. it's crazy. Well, that's doing actually them. why probably a lot of podcasts yeah, yeah, really yeah, yeah. the answer. Doing them for notoriety, yeah. doing them for getting yeah. seen. Mm-hmm. And so what that tells me is that we're living in a time where people feel very unseen. Yeah. Right? And unheard. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result, you know, the game's fucked up. If mm-hmm. we're just calling it for what it is, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, the idea of being a photographer to get likes is insane to me. It's wild. Like, if you really break... Because photography, similar to painting mm-hmm. or drawing, is a solitary craft. It is a craft. You spend yeah. so much time not talking to people, whether yeah. it's editing or when you're shooting, it's just you and the camera, whatever it may yeah. be. So the idea of doing that for the purpose of getting seen, to me, doesn't add up, right? Like, that can't be the primary driver. And for so many people, if we're really, really honest with ourselves and culturally and industry-wise, we're honest... So much of the conversation being put into the, the echo chamber is put there with the intention of look at me, like me, yeah. pay attention yeah. to me. Like, uh, the, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Instagram was down, <laughs> right? And I didn't even... For like an hour. Right, yeah, I didn't even yeah. know. I just was like, yeah. oh, I tried to post something, it doesn't work, yeah. okay, bye. Yeah. Like, I fucking do not okay. like looking at Instagram, it bothers me so okay. much, but I like contributing to it, and I'll, I actually, when I look at it, I'm like, oh, this is okay, mm-hmm. I look at Reddit, <laughs> you know, I'm like, looking yeah, at Reddit's shit on dope. Reddit, but I, I found out about it from Reddit, but I was like, wow, uh, I was talking to my friend Joey, he was here, we interviewed, and he was saying, we were talking about how, like, if internet, if, or if Instagram went down, all those photographers that are Instagram photographers, lose everything. like, they're gonna lose their careers, or Instagram models, or what does that even mean? Like, what is that gonna mean in the future? Mm-hmm. If you're, like, are you making money? Have you made money from Instagram? 
Um, Have you gotten hired or anything like that? I just had my first booking from Instagram last year. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And I didn't think they were real. And so I kind of regarded it as sure. like they were like not real. Like whatever. Yeah, and then the contract, I sent the contract and then they signed it and then the money went and I was like, oh, oh wow. <laughs> that was real. Okay, but you, um, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I'm so that was the first, but like, you know, honestly, I grew up around a certain type of adult. Mm-hmm. And I looked up to a certain type of adult growing up in New York. Right. And I think there's a way that it was modeled to me that one carries himself. Even if you're not a tough guy or you're not a business guy or you're not a whatever the, you know, qualifier we use to describe people. Yeah. There's a line that you don't cross with me because I would never cross that line disrespectfully with you. There's a line that in business that you... You stay above. Like, there's just certain things that you do. And if you don't do that, you're a sucker. And you don't yeah. want to be a sucker. No. That's, like, the worst thing to be called is a sucker. Right? And it doesn't even matter if I do or don't call you a sucker. Yeah. Like, I can look at you. Yeah. And you will know without me saying anything. Yeah. You're a sucker. Yeah. So, how does that pertain to Instagram? And so, I think, and this is one of the main ways I think about it, it's very important to me that when you meet me in person, it's more interesting than what you thought you would get mm-hmm. because you looked at my social media. Yeah. And I find the opposite is true for most people. You meet them in person and you look going by what you see them post. Oh, and they're so and they're corny and boring and, and like just quiet. like on their phone the whole time. Right? Like no, Oh my god. You understand? Yeah. The weirdest shit is So that's like, the main, main yeah. way that I look at it. Yeah. It's like if you have the kind, like, like keep that same energy. If that's how you yeah. are, then be like Cardi B. I believe she's like that. She probably is. I believe she's like that. Yeah. She's from the Bronx. I yeah. know tons of people from the Bronx like that. Yeah. And I'm from New York. I know tons of people from like every Dominican Very got New a York. Cardi B in their family. Yeah. And I'm not. I'm saying that to be funny, but I'm saying that to be super real. Yeah. Like that's gonna be the quotable of this interview. Yeah. Every Dominican <laughs> has a Cardi B in their family. That's yeah. their cousin. That's their sister. That could be their mama. Yeah, I have like an auntie, like. You understand? I'm not even Dominican. You understand, right? Yeah. And so my point is like, to some degree, then when we see these types of characters, and I don't mean archetypes are like, 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 like she's a clown or anything. I just mean like, she's she, a fucking character. She, she's, she's a character, yeah. right? So like, you know, the irony of a Nicki Minaj and her having beef—they're the same archetype. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's that cousin. That's that auntie. That's that yeah. whoever. Right. And so, in part, I think when you say like this thing of like, how does it play out for me with social media, yeah. Instagram? Um, you know, com- kind of like Omar from The Wire, like, you gotta live by a code, right? So there's certain yeah. things I will never write on social media. Yeah. Just never. Mm-hmm. If I got problems with you, I'm not putting my energy... No, yeah. Ever. Yeah. I yeah. will never say your name. No. Ever. No. Right? But you're gonna have to see me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it's all that nonsense, right? Yeah, I'm right, just right, saying... Right. If you are phony and fake and you try me, I won't scream at you. I won't send you no crazy emails. I don't even wish you harm or any kind right, of, yeah. you know, anything unfortunate in your life. Right. But I know karma is real. Yeah. Right? I understand that this is a, like, if you're in the arts or if you're in business and you're not playing the long game, you're a sucker. Yeah. Right? Because, you know, yeah, and we man. can name, we can get to naming names but there's a lot of folks that was popping last year. Yeah. Right? right or five that. years ago. Yeah. Right? And right it's like Takashi69 is a meme right now. 
He's a meme for snitching right now. Yeah, yeah. A year ago, yeah. he was the hottest motherfucker in rap. That shit is so wild. Right? That and now, so whenever wild. you hear a story about something going down with it's, someone yeah. getting arrested, you, you can wait minutes, and that Takashi meme is coming right yeah, behind yeah, it. Yeah. Where he's like, Yana, Yana, have you heard about... the meme makers. I fucking love The internet is undefeated, right? But that's my point, is like... like Living in that short-term mentality, playing it by that short-term set of rules and standards of, like, everything is clout, everything is chasing clout, everything is building clout, you know, to me, that's a one-way street to being a meme. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even give a... Like, I love my... I don't have the Facebook anymore, okay. but, but I kind of do because... Because you have Instagram. Because Instagram is owned, owned by... by yeah, so yeah. I actually fucking do. But I just... Um, yeah, Facebook Lite. <laughs> yeah, I Facebook light. I Facebook just without the words. Mm-hmm. And I really, I like it, but um, I think I like it because I'm just, I don't want it to be, I try to keep it very honest. Mm-hmm. And I like it for that. I think the moments where I was starting to look at other people and compare my lives to these other women or these other creators and like, why do they have this and I don't? And I'm like, well, I'm not even fucking them. Like, I don't even know them. I don't know what they're going through. And actually, what they're going through is not the fuck for me. Kate I'm Spade. going through my shit right now. Case Spade, Anthony Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's not for you. but So it's really easy to, like, look at it and get really wrapped up, especially as an artist, as an illustrator, as an animator, when I'm, like, like sending my fucking for- portfolio out, mm-hmm. sending it out, sending it out, sending it out, no response, no response. But, like, now, like, when I first started... Um, when I stopped bartending, I just was like, okay, I'm an artist. And besides the biggie shit, like, that's very separate for me because working with the biggies, biggie stuff, it's like, that's, I don't got to do anything with that. Like, that's, it sells itself. It sells. Like, anything I make, like, you're wearing a biggie hat now, it's beautiful. I, that's put that, I made it. That's representative. It's fucking gorgeous. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it's like, had to bring the biggie ground. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it looks, go- it looks, so <laughs> um, it looks really beautiful. But that to me is separate than my, my work, like my paintings or my sculptures and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and, this is also the flyest hat because it had the, the, the cosmic jump. That's right, I picked that out. And you know? I was like, Yeah. Yo! <laughs> I got that. Yeah, the, we did like three of those. All those are only three of a kind. Okay. Yeah, yeah, with the gold stitch. And Baron signed it, so. Yeah, we're he good. signed it. I see that. We're yeah, good. that's good. That's a collector's But item. to your point, I mean, one of the biggest things that I think um, social media has done, which is, the, you know, the irony of every industry, every industry essentially does the opposite of what it says it's doing. Yeah. Right, the beauty industry makes people feel wildly insecure. Oh yeah, Instagram right? makes people fucking. Feel Food insecure. industry makes you sick. Yeah, <laughs> it makes you fat. Yeah, you know, health industry Food kills you. Right. Yeah. Every industry well, basically. It's an industry. Yeah, but that's it's what I'm saying. Every it industry does yeah. the opposite of what it says it uh-huh. does. Right. That's kind of like the rule. Yeah. Right. Um. So to some degree, I face hardship and artists face hardship because we're the one industry that essentially has to tell the truth. And it's yeah. not necessarily the truth of what is real and what is fake, but the truth of what feels, what lands to someone as I am moved. Mm-hmm. You have touched my emotion. And you're actually doing the work. Right, you can't fake and, the emotional part. Yeah, and... And so that's the like, thing, the big change, though. When yeah. you ask me, like, what's the big shift that I see social media doing? Do you remember when the phrase humble bragging was a thing? Um, yeah. Right? Yeah, You don't sure. hear people talk about humble bragging anymore. Not really, Because no. it's normalized. Yeah. Right? social media has become a platform for it's humble bragging. bragging that's all it is it's a giant platform to humble brag man it bothers me but when it but yeah. it wasn't always that no. right so when facebook first started shifting and you would see people post something that was a little like look at me i'm amazing 
their friends would be like, yo, humble brag much? That shit is weird, yeah. Right? Kind of, and and then weird. slowly but surely, you know, it became normalized that, oh, that's what we're doing now? All right, cool. I'm going to do it this. I'm going to do this. And now you have oh, yeah. actual places. If I'm know. ever on fucking... Hey! If you ever see I've had this conversation with many friends. On fucking Instagram with my my goddamn cheeks puckered and my titties out, you text me. I'm going to send me. you that, that message. And you just... Text me and be like, yeah. this fucking chill, rejects podcast chill. number seven. Yeah, fifty-six chill. minutes in. Yeah, like chill. This is fifty-one minutes in. <laughs> Motherfucker, listen, go back and because I swear, like, I definitely. I remember one of my friends who's like this dope ass punk rock motherfucker. He's so cool, and he and I was like, someone on Instagram. He's like, oh, you're on Instagram, and I was like, yeah, I gotta use it though because. Art editors go to your Instagram, motherfucker. Like, true. and I don't even put my art up there. I have a art, separate art page, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. can have access to it. Or you can go to my website, and it's mm-hmm. all it is all right there. Mm-hmm. You know, because people fucking steal your ideas and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was like, oh, and, and, and but he looked at my. He was like, oh, yours is actually honest. And I'm like, cause I, it's fucking honest. Cause I'm like, I go, I go have ebbs and flows, and I've dealt with like depression and mm-hmm. and being manic and shit, and mm-hmm. certainly like. I'm not bipolar, but I, I can understand those swings. And it's fucking Instagram has made me kind of like pr- learn how to present my work as a brand because now we're brands and all these things, you know, these things that we, like we laughed at yeah. years ago, yeah, like when I was yeah. in part. Black now, people have never been brands. We are the brand. Before. We're the brand. We've been branded. We're the brand. No, yeah, we've been branded, but we're the brand. We're the fucking culture. We move culture. They, I mean, come on. Listen, my old girl told me, she was like, oh my God. And she's dope as fuck. She's like, she's all on fashion. Okay. Like, oh, ask me about um, nails, acrylic nails that are spray, um, airbrushed. Mm-hmm. And she never seen it before. She was like, oh, I just saw it. And it's like in Cosmo or some shit. She probably mm-hmm. saw it. It's like the white women are doing that. They're just picking up on it now. I was like, we were doing that 25 years ago. And as children, you know, my mom has always done that. So we are the culture. We well, are like, the culture. It's like, who's the primary listener of jazz music in 2019? Oh. Middle aged white people. Yeah, and me. I listen to a lot of jazz. No, <laughs> it's me and them. I'm saying, who's going to the concerts? Who's buying the yeah. albums? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, who bought all those Eminem fucking tickets? Me? No, <laughs> you and, I could not no. afford no Eminem tickets at any point in my childhood. Um, but, facts. But, you know, it's still... I do like it because I'm like, okay, we kind of... This is just what it is now. Mm-hmm. I, I was really, like, kind of... I didn't want to do it. I'm like, ah, so whatever. But social now media? I'm like, yeah, social media. But I like it now because you can kind of create stuff. You can share stuff. So my shit, I try to make it silly or whatever because I just am kind of goofy myself, so... You have funny you know, content. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's what I've been hearing. Really but I mean, funny. it's just the shit I do because I'm not. I don't take myself too seriously. Yeah, I feel like I probably share. Yours is beautiful. Ten percent of the things I think, maybe much less than that. You put a lot of your work up. A lot I of your, put a lot yeah, of work up. It's really beautiful, which is intentional, mm-hmm. um, in part because that's like that's why I'm there. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. But also, I mean, so going back to like a code of rules, right? So the whole thing about like beef, like I don't engage in that. I don't throw shade at people. It's oh not a God, thing. No. Not a thing. No. The second one though is because that's what I don't do. I, I really focus on the positivity, the joy of Me life, too. the pleasure of life. It's the best. There's already so much negative shit that like. So I'll go periods, and it's not because I have nothing nice to say, but I'm also really aware of like 
and you can feel it from certain posts that are forced mm -hmm. where the person just wanted to have content for you that day and you see it and it's like loaded with hashtags or if it isn't it's like very very like they're really yeah. just trying to stay I do a lot of hashtags but I like them but then sometimes I don't no but like I'm just yeah. saying it to say what it is which is like if you're getting your needs met yeah cool you know, I'm never going to hate on a person taking care of their family, Straight taking up. care of their business. Awesome. What I find um, is unfortunate is, and I'm not going to name names, but I'll be, I'll be very specific. I I've, had <laughs> I've had multiple people in my field or similar fields basically confide in me that the image that they have put out publicly in social media is not at all the life that they're living. Word. That they are in debt. That they're not booking like they need to be oh. booking. That they have these right, and so that's the problem. Is when and you're then, stuck in it. Not only are you stuck in it, but you get these. You know what does social media breed? It breeds everyone being a guru with a workshop and a product to sell you about how to get like them, right? Like so now everyone's it's doing that, yeah, right? It's lifestyle. Now everyone's doing that, but when you really break it down, I mean, in the in the world of wedding and event photographers, and I'm gonna say this, and it's funny that I'm coming to more of a social kind of like chill hangout you know spot to say this on the business level because i could have saved this on a public you know photo podcast but the reality is so many of these photographers out here teaching these workshops about how to have a successful business or how to be a great photographer are making way more money selling those workshops and those widgets than they ever made then, as a photographer yeah yeah and it's not to me it's like if you were meant to be a great coach then that's fantastic some yeah. people can do both right you have your 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 crew coaches and and your other folks that like really were designed you know like like who can do both who can yeah. be a player and a coach but some people were meant to be players some people were meant to be coaches you could be the best coach of all time and be horrible on the court you could be the best player of all time horrible teacher slash coach yeah if you disclose hey listen this is what I made doing such and such, but my real passion is teaching, and I want to focus on that. I like that you said coaching because that—that that is, I, that's a better way to look at it. You know, like if if, if you're gonna have, rather than saying like, oh, I have the the biggest career or whatever, which like, you know, I've learned from um, studying under artists mm -hmm. who teach me or they're teaching teaching us and whatever, critiquing your work, mm -hmm. and they're not doing shit like. I was gonna say, what you about know? The, yeah. I was gonna say. We definitely need to talk about yeah, like you teach the other paradigm of successful college, artists you know? who are literally taking on commissions through their studio, but they don't touch the work anymore. Oh, they don't God. touch the commissions. No I more. ain't gonna say no name. You don't have to because it's it's a thing. We know everyone's doing yeah. it. It's, yeah, it's 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 like trying to get the ghostwriting in, in hip hop. Everyone got got ghostwriters in their yeah. art studios it's doing wild. these huge thirty foot installations and these massive paint. Come on now. I had a meeting with. Um, with Esquire Mag, and it was like with one of the art directors there, because uh -huh. I actually met with him in mm -hmm. in face face, and he actually told me he's gonna hire me for this thing. So, but he didn't, and it's fine. Here we are. Mm -hmm. But he shout out Esquire, yeah, <laughs> hi guys. Um, but the guy, like, he was showing me this Obama uh, photo that went up, or it was an illustration that went up in one of their. It was last year, sometime in summer, mm -hmm. and. He, uh, I'm looking at it like, but it's shitty. Also, mm -hmm. it's done on a computer. Mm -hmm. You wanted this hand painted thing. My shit mm -hmm. is dope. Mm -hmm. Like, my shit is, I work hard on it. I'm up in this bitch sweating. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm painting. I'm, then I take it. And everything I do is hand done. And then I'll take it and I might treat it a little you bit work in Photoshop. bronze, which I just Yeah, yeah, if I do bronze casting and like welding. And so I'm, I'm a skilled 
uh, artist and illustrator and all this stuff. And I'm like, but I got to compete with, he's like, oh, he got a man in China. I was like, that's Fiverr. You know what I mean? Like, you went on Fiverr, you hired some kid to do this shitty job. He did like a, a, it was like, the illustration itself isn't bad, but like the treatment of it is bad. He wanted it to look like it was kind of not done. So what the guy did was actually do it. And then just, I could see where he just took the scrubbing tool he just erased a part of it. And I'm like, it's not even blended or nothing, you know? So said Jay-Z lyric, you can play for school, but you can't buy class. Oh, my God. I was just like, well, okay, that's that's what I'm competing with. But, but you know, that's that doesn't bother me. I'm just like, it's just part of it. I fucking, yeah, I had a, I sent out my, my uh, Nipsey Hussle illustration to 53 editors the other day. Okay. Got one response. It was beautiful. And, thank you, you very much. It's yeah. fucking beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, and also I didn't like I didn't do it like, oh, I'm gonna do this and like, be you know anything. I didn't actually think anything. I yeah. was editing a different episode and I was like, oh my god, my my homie Rob hit me up like, you know they shot him and I'm like, whoa, and and I just kind of stopped what I was doing like, what what the fuck? And I saw I just did this illustration. So the next day in the morning I was like, I'm gonna send it to these editors or whatever because it's just fucking beautiful. And I was like, really, fifty three. One response, and one response from someone who um, told me the work is really beautiful. And mm-hmm. but I was like, but that's a win because she opened up my email, yeah, yeah, but yeah. she never did. And then I'm also like, well, also that's a win because when I first started, I had like I didn't know any editors. I knew two of them. Now I know about fifty of them. Well, who, I mean, who like first and foremost, rest in peace, Nipsey. Yeah. Um, I think two things that are connected to what you're saying: the irony of describing sort of, you know. Entering and and uh, positioning yourself into a system that you know historically doesn't want you there. Strike the f- motherfucker, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just yeah. It what it well, is. a lot of them don't even know who I am because they ain't open my fucking email. Well, it's not it's not you personally, yeah. right? But it's like a lot of business is done based on some degree of nepotism, uh-huh. cronyism. Yes, it is. Paying, yes, it is. Paying for favors. I'm gonna be on the cover of a magazine for being someone's daughter. You know, or you know, you got photo editors who were roommates with this one, and now yeah. the photographer gets hooked up, right? Yeah, like, absolutely. And and again, that example I just gave is a, a real story. I, it's I know, not bad. I know who I'm thinking of in yeah. that example, but I'm yeah, sure yeah. there are many people where that happens. We're probably right? thinking of different. And people. so, but here's the thing, and this is the part that I think all of us have to contend with, right? It's the it's the part in Batman, right, where you live long enough to see yourself become a villain, right? Where it's like. If you stay in the industry long enough, whatever you're doing, that's going to happen to you. Right, yeah. yeah. However it works out, you're yeah. going to date the person, they're going to be your auntie, your uncle. Yeah. Like, it's going to happen, right? And so th- then the real question becomes, like, t- at least to me, two parts. Do you have the staying power to be around long enough to get your shot? And I fucking do. What right? about you? So how do you, how do you I mean, deal with, like, rejection I'm, I'm and shit? I'm there. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm getting my shots. You are. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Uh, how? How? How'd um, you get to where you are now? Like, what did that look like for you? Um, well, for one, I didn't... I know I had a choice because one always has a choice. But I didn't feel like I had a choice at the time. Mm-hmm. And so that was a huge part of it, that I was going from zero to 100. Uh, and, I, and I did not have... Uh, a safety net, right? I was living with my grandmother, and then I left because you know I didn't agree with. We well, gotta go. Yeah, but she yeah. wanted that, so I'm living with the girlfriend at the time, and that really wasn't a good idea. Um, and and then I'm really really out, and so you know 
my godmother, and I will, I, you know, I, I rarely speak on this, but my godmother and uh, her husband sat me down and basically got so real with me, like, listen, Pat, because I was young, I was mm -hmm. like 22, 23. Okay. They were like, listen, man, if you want, you could be living up under some woman for the rest of your life. Like, some woman will have you. Yeah. But you will basically be their, <laughs> it's true. You'll be their pet. Yeah. Right? You'll be their pet, right? And so it's like, that's what's going to come with that life if you want to be passive in your life. Or you really look at how it is you got in this situation. You promise yourself you'll never put yourself back in this situation. And you go out there and you hustle your ass off and stop fronting. And this is probably why... I said what I said earlier about the social media stuff yeah. is because my uncle, when I spent the time I spent living with them after moving out from the ex, I lived with them about three months. And he just called me out like, yo, you have this whole thing on Facebook and this whole, and, and you know, and back then it wasn't even, it right. wasn't even Instagram, right? Yeah. This was just people that know you, right? Facebook before you can yeah. subscribe to someone and not be their friend. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So like literally he was just like, and you don't, you're not even hustling like that. I don't see you taking no meetings. I don't see you leaving the house. Now, me, granted, I was depressed. Right? Relationship. Right. Da, 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 da. Yeah, sure. Right? But his point was like, don't talk about it. Be about it. Right? And mm -hmm. like, and he's from Jamaica, but also mm -hmm. uh, raised in Queens. And my mom's from Queens. So there's a way that Queens people move. Queens people are not braggadocious, uh, loudmouth people. It don't matter what side of the law they're on. Queens people behave that way. Yeah. Right? And so uh, just rewinding the tape in terms of where I am now, um, that was a very pivotal moment for me. Mm -hmm. Because the moment I left living with my godmother and her husband, I decided I would never live with family ever again. Okay. And I was so like 22, 23, 23 okay. right? And I moved to Brooklyn for the first time. I moved to like the Bed-Stuy Bushwick border. Nice. Um, my rent, I was thinking about this the other day, my rent was seven seventy-five a month. Nice, holla. And I had a little tiny little situation. And it was tough, and there's been lots of ups and downs, but I think one big, big, big thing that I would say is probably a strength of mine that I want, especially for uh, young, creative people of color, is I always set goals that were big based on what mattered to me. I didn't care if it seemed impossible to someone else. My goal was to photograph Oprah. Mm-hmm. That happened. Yeah. You know, my goal was to photograph Seth Godin. That was actually before Oprah. That happened. Like, mm -hmm. so my goals, if it's who to photograph or how much I want to make or whatever, have always been things that I decide. Mm -hmm. And then when I'm talking and uh, uh, putting it into the world, I ask for it. Okay. So I'm not going in there like, oh, why aren't I getting paid whatever the number is? And I've never asked it's for that amount in the contract. Yeah. You know, why aren't I making more, but I never asked for more? It's like, I know I want to be the best. Not the best black photographer, not the best male photographer, not the best New York photographer, right. young photographer. Yeah, yeah. I want to be the best in my field yeah. for the thing I do. Yeah. So I tell stories about love and connection that are predominantly for the individuals in the photos and their families. So okay. that there's a private sort of family photo side of it, which can include weddings and events. Sure. And then we have the commercial side. But at the end of the day, I want you to feel something when you look at my work, and that's the storytelling. That mm -hmm. You don't have to know these people. It will move you. Do you take that, that uh, idea into your um, commercial work? Absolutely. I think it's mm -hmm. even probably more valuable there because yeah. so much of the, the work, at least to me, is technically pretty. Yeah. But I don't feel anything. 
And so a lot of it is just gimmicks. Like, oh, this year we use smoke bombs with colors, right? Next year we that was use two years ago. right. Next yeah. year we use laser lights with the thing, right? That was like, two years ago. Right? Yeah. yeah. This year we use saturated color, right? So like, what is it this year? You see, I don't care, honestly. But yeah. like, there's it's always something. Yeah. And the thing to me is, you know, and I get this question a lot, like, why do you love black and white? I love black and white because black and white photography isn't going anywhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah, black right. and black it's and classic. white photography, right? Like, and what you was have the your own style. first form yeah. of mass media was radio? Yeah, we right back to radio it's with podcasts. It's my favorite. You understand? Yeah, yeah, We're yeah. right back yeah. to an updated version of radio, and also a radio that isn't like super commercial, super commercial, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and and commercial. I think yeah. in the way that you mean it, but also in the way that unfortunately it has become. Mm-hmm. Commercial means co-opted, mm-hmm. right? Commercial means I'm not getting the real, real from not the at source. All. You don't know what because that, yeah. they, you know, whoever is pulling at their pockets or pulling at their scripts. Is, yeah. is dictating the, the, the show. And it ain't us. So that's the big thing for me. Yeah. It's like, like the goal thing I think is huge. I feel so many, uh, and I'm going to say it because I feel like we've not necessarily talked about it, but we have without talking about it. Mm-hmm. So many creative people, and this is not in any way racialized, but I think if you are a person of color, you may take it on even more. But all artists I find do this, which is uh, to some degree, we don't actively work on our confidence. Mm-hmm. And so we consistently look to our clients and our teachers and our bosses and the creative fields to legitimize our uh, creations. Mm -hmm. And so that insecurity is there that we stay wanting to please these people. And let's just be real, as a culture, the culture knows that that's how artists are. So what does that lead to? Artists get abused at such a consistent, predictable, disrespectful level that, that we just live with. We, I, I stay with the biggest shit. We stay in litigation. <laughs> I stay in it. Because people just trying it. Yeah, they just rip it off. And it'll be big companies. It'll be like, well, if it's a smaller artist, well, whatever, it's different. But also, yeah, I'll, I see big stuff everywhere. Yeah, I'll, I'll Someone always... sent me a picture of, 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 of the Santeria, like the, the, the candles. Yeah. I saw the candles, like the a knockoff. The ones that we made? No, a knockoff, but using the picture. You see my face? I'm like, the one yeah, that we made? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I seen the knockoffs. A friend sent me them in Texas. Oh, okay. Just like a few days ago. Yeah, send it to me, please. Yeah, godly. Yeah, yeah. Because, um, yeah, so pretty much, like, if this is an artist that made a thing, mm-hmm. I usually advise them to talk to Baron. I'm like, give him an email. Yeah. Shoot him an email. But people, they fight. They'll, they'll want to fight. Yeah, and big companies will use this shit. So it's definitely. It's so dumb. It's, it's like really. That. I mean, there's, there's well, some. People really are going to notice. <laughs> there's some really, like, New York labels that are like, New York, New York, ugh, stealing our shit all the time. And I've gone to them, like, yo. Let's collaborate because that's really my first line. Like we can, you already made the shit. Let's collaborate and get mm-hmm. this money together, mm-hmm. you know. But then they be like, I don't want, you know. Okay, my lawyer don't give a fuck. Yeah. I'm way nicer than yeah. him, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And then well, once, once he knows, it's out of my hands. Yeah, and, and you know that's his job. Yeah, right. And I'm look, happy look, lady does. Everything it. looks like a nail to a to a hammer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, straight up. So that's so dope. So um, now, what are you doing now? Um, so the two things. Um, as a studio, this was technically year 12, but as like a calendar year of service, year 11. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the main ones is I'm really stepping into, and I'm doing it reluctantly, but I need to be honest, it's kind of like listening to the J. Cole Middle Child mm-hmm. uh, album. It's like, I'm not young anymore. My I'm, birthday I'm, is I'm, in three weeks. I'll be 36. I'm American years old. Yeah, right? But it's like... yeah. I've been I've been in this for longer than most of my contemporaries have had careers, 
And and there are a few that are, you know, longer. So you've been a photographer the whole time? I've been a photographer for that whole time, yes. Yeah. And I've been full-time since 2009. That's the shit. Right, 2009, 2010. I want to say 2010. How'd you do that? Um, you just didn't give a fuck? Just the go trans, for it? Going full-time? Yeah. The full-time one, that's the part that I think might be a personal thing. Which that's is, fine. You know, but no, not like I won't share it, but I mean like it's in you, which mm-hmm. is like... In my particular case, uh, I did two things that are, are timing, right? David Hume, economist, pretty well known for those who like talking about economists. Mm-hmm. I took one like finance class at college and learned about the guy. And he had a big thing about saying that like most change uh, uh, or change typically doesn't happen, right? That things tend to stay the same. At, at some mm-hmm. level of a constant. And then when they change, the doorway for change is small. Right, the window for change yeah. or opportunity is not open for long, mm-hmm. so you got to get it in because it's going to close, and then things will go like that will be the standard for a long time. There, right, and so like mm-hmm. that's kind of how industries move, and like that was his point about how economies move, and that the real benefit then, of course, is not to focus on these little moments, is to focus on the long tail, the aggregate of a full experience, because you might come in at the wrong time where the, there's no change happening in your yeah. space. Yeah. Not to say you can't be a part of it. So for me, the big moment was. I decided I wanted to launch a business at the same time Google decided they wanted to be the head of internet. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. And they were going to do that through search engine optimization for their algorithm. So if you look at this term, then you will get results based on what you searched. Google basically had the argument. To optimize it. We're going to make that a better service than anyone in the world. Okay. Right? So SEO. Mm-hmm. I'm online looking up some stuff related to photography. I get to Google and New York wedding photographer, whatever, and I keep seeing this one website. This is a hilarious story, and I tracked the the website down to a, 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 a brother, a team of brothers in um, California, Southern California, okay. and the main brother, the older one, is named Lawrence Chen, and he basically schools me to SEO. Like, oh, okay, I'm doing it because of SEO. Now I'm calling him from where I was living with this woman at the time, uh, my girlfriend at the time. Uh, in Washington Heights. I'm calling him from Washington Heights. He's over in like, you know, Southern California. Mm-hmm. And he's breaking down for me to like, I'm still in college, young brain, mm-hmm. what SEO is, how it works, this, that, and the other. Long story short, he basically is like, I'll teach you what I know. Nice. He turned it into a class that he made a lot of money oh, sure. teaching other photographers, but as like a paid thing, I was like his guinea pig. And within, let's say a month, I was on the first page of Google, I oh. think top three or four hits for New York wedding photographers. That's great. And then any so other time. So you got the work then, yeah. Yeah, but again, that's timing, right? That's like, right, yeah. how long did that door stay open? I don't, I don't Not long. Right? I rejected the internet back then. But, I don't but know. you know, <laughs> everyone yeah. got in and then it got saturated and then, you know, it had to hit refresh again, right? Uh-huh. So what did that do for me? It A, gave me a, a way to compete against much bigger studios that were taking out ads in wedding magazines yeah. and also other stuff at a time where brides. For the first time ever, we're starting to search for professionals for online. themselves, right? You understand, right? And so, yeah, I got in on that wave at like twenty three and twenty two. That's awesome. Of the friend, the thing that really broke it, the one that was like, how did I go full time, full time? Because that was all in play. The thing, and then when I had this, what I'm about to tell you, then it like connected. Like I had, mm-hmm. it's almost like you build a pipeline, but you have no oil to put in it. Sure. Like the oil came from uh, NBC calling for the Biggest Loser. They had a couple. You worked on that. They had a couple. For season six, I want to say, it was Biggest Loser Couples Edition, Nicole and Damien, rest in peace, Damien. Um, and they called me to shoot 
an engagement session for them. Oh, for real? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And they said, they did they find you on the internet? They did. <laughs> they Googled it. Hey, they found me on Google. They Google searched. I love that you put it all together. Because so awesome. I'm, I'm like, in my mind, like, That's I know this part, job. so I'm not yeah. saying this part. But like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they found me on Google. Yeah. Boom. I booked the thing. Now I'm still living in Bed-Stuy Bushwick, you know, border. I'm yeah. still broke and hungry. And I, I have the photos from that. I'm never putting those photos out. Okay. It's, it's raw. Okay. It's like, it's very raw. Like, it's Paris. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. Catch yeah, me outside nice. Paris, right? Okay. So like, okay. literally... Uh, NBC crew is in my house. They're doing part of the interview there for the couples when they do those wrap up. They interviews. had them come to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why? And then we went out. Was, they that was your that studio. Authentic Bush experience. Oh, oh yeah. okay, okay, and, okay. And yeah, it was my studio. Yeah. And then uh, the couple was living in Brooklyn, so it just oh, worked perfect. Out, yeah. Right. And then we did the shoot. So are you on it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, not for long, but, but I'm in that. In yeah, 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 I gotta find it. I don't find that clip. Wait, what season? Uh, I think it's like season six. I'll get okay. it to you. I have okay, it somewhere yeah. in like DVD. All right, okay. So they do all that. Yes. And then uh, uh, I tell the couple, and I, I said it as a, not a joke, but like I said it just like the business guy in me was like, this is the move. So I say to them, guys, you have a really aggressive but amazing weight goal of how much you want to lose. If you hit your goal, I will shoot your wedding for free. Oh. Do they hit their goals? I don't remember technically. So no. No, I don't remember. Oh, okay. I really don't. But what happened was the bride came, Nicole, and after the show she got hired by Twenty Four Hour Fitness and was a trainer and like Oh shit. Really, like really dope. Went in. And she said, you know, we want you to shoot it, but like we get your offer, but we wanna pay you. Okay. So that was just like awesome. Good. Right? And like I didn't need that to happen. I didn't necessarily want that to happen. But, but they want to compensate yeah, you. Yeah, you can't be mad at that. No, no, no. So I shoot the wedding. And the wedding's on a Sunday. And Wednesday, the wedding is featured in Us Weekly. It was. <laughs> now, I'm working part-time. What year? Uh, this had to be... 2009, I want to say. So Paris Hilton was in it? One of those. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, that was I when... I can find the exact issue. I feel issue. like... She was really hot back yeah. then. Yeah, like two thousand nine. Two thousand nine. And yeah. that was that was Amber Rose was all up in it. Really? And Kanye West. A quiet Amber Rose, not the one we know now. No, the first one. Yeah, I'm not finna talk about Amber the Rose. The first right now. one. Yeah. But yeah. I just remember because it was in college and I used to, you know, yeah. see those magazines. So yeah. so literally like So you were in there. Cool. So That's that nice issue shit. comes out. I'm working You're fucking famous, as man. a teacher for uh, uh, at risk youth. At a program in Harlem, mm-hmm. I get the issue of Us Weekly at Dwayne Reed on 125th on my lunch break. Walk back to my desk, and I'm like back to working with kids like 45 minutes later. Mm-hmm. And in my head, my thought was back to like how I went full time. If I can't go full time off of this, yeah, I need to quit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I made it up in my mind, even though it was the summertime, that I would get everything in order by the end of that year. And then 2010, I went full time. Yeah, that's the shit. That's that's really um, a really a series of good decisions I don't it's timing but it was really a bunch of good decisions because and here's timing what's even is crazier about that once we got the, the press mm-hmm. from Us Weekly what did I do because I already had Google Juice crazy right. because of the SEO but that's not organic right that's just SEO yeah. so then I actually went for the organic uh, uh, Google Juice mm-hmm. by telling all the other companies that wanted the images right the Eon lines and the peoples right. and all these other people like cool y'all can have the images too except I'm not gonna charge you you must 
link back to my site. Oh, shit. You can post it. You must credit the photos and link back to my site. If you do that, no licensing fee. We're good. You use and it. so yeah. it, within a week, we did that deal with like 25 publications Damn, that all had big online. Damn, homie. The Google juice went insane. That's off of wild. And that, but again, it all connected back to that first, yeah. like first, first thing. Yeah. He taught me the importance of it. And he was like, these are the two schools. There's organic, which is going to be reputable sources linking to you. And there's inorganic, which is going to be SEO and like other schemes. You promoting your shit. Yeah. yeah. He's like, Paris, you want this. You want the organic traffic. The inorganic stuff is going to fade and it's like a fad. Right. He goes, but... If all you can get is this, then the minute you get an opportunity to get the other one, get the other one. And so I didn't make money on uh, giving the companies the rights to these images, uh -huh. but in exchange, we probably got PR that I couldn't have afforded at the time. So you got paid, yeah. Yeah. It's in a different way. And in a, it's in 2010 a was long... my strongest year f for the first five years of my business. My okay. first year was the strongest for like the first five years. Nice. Yeah. Nice. That's the shit. So, um, you're doing, I mean, we can wrap it up because I know you got to go. Sure, sure, Because sure. I like, <laughs> I had a whole thing. I got a, my studio, with it, but I was missing one motherfucking cord. It's always, it's One always, cord. Hey, I'm like, I have a We're doing mic. it though. Well, we yeah, here though. Everything's here though. It's set up over there. It's so pretty, man. <laughs> like, and I actually wanted to get one of these mixers because I'm learning about like, you know, I just was like, oh, I want to just start this thing and start yeah. it now. We can just start it today, you know? It's and, funny. I'm sitting here looking at these, these scissors you got and I'm like, yeah. These will forever be synonymous with us now. Yeah. Scissors are us for yes. the rest of the time. Like, yes. Like Jordan Peele, like dumb branded scissors. <laughs> he, he owns the scissor emoji. That's so fucking awesome. That's yeah. All right, just like the like like the the, the, the Wakanda X, forever. That's the Wakanda forever emoji. Yeah. yeah. You know, no, and the Bronx is, emoji. This is the first. Yeah. So I got the studio set up or whatever. But so I, I oh I wanted to start at four forty four 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 because. Ah! Kind of did. That would have been so. Like, I was like, well, maybe I'll on, on 444 yeah. on April 4th. Yeah. That would have been amazing. Yeah, we kind of did it. We kind of did that. Yeah, we kind of did it. We, we were there. We, we started about 451. I was like, ah. Yeah, we started at 451. But it's it's like uh, 630. Just one more thing before you go. Yes. Give me one really good rejection story. One really good rejection story. This is a real one. I'm going to share it because it's quick, but it's also great. Um, and it's a rejection, but not a rejection, which is how I think about rejection. Right, me too. Um, and I know that because I listen to you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm part of the process, baby. Right? That's so right. literally, um, back in the day, I did a ton of what would be called now like cold calling, mm -hmm. um, but with planners and people I wanted to work with in the industry. And I basically uh, had my content, like I was writing these articles when I was so fresh in the business. Like I don't even know if I had a full year under my belt mm -hmm. and I was like wanting to write content because I knew yeah. that's where you get the Make organic Google science. juice yeah, no yeah. I knew the science by then yeah. so I was like I wanted organic traffic you had to get content that's how you get it so I was writing uh, articles for this blog uh, that was a wedding blog and I looked on their directory for the planners top planner I'm gonna name names because she'll appreciate this sure. if she ever hears this story she will she knows the story uh, but I'm gonna put it out there is Jill Gordon. Hi, Jill. You can't go to the Hamptons and have a for-real wedding where you're really trying to have a Hamptons experience and not talk to Jill Gordon. If okay. you do that, you messed up, okay. right? It's okay. like going into fashion not talking to Anna Wintour, right? Yeah. Like you can't do it. Okay. So I don't know any of that. Mm -hmm. I just know she's at the top of the marquee on the section for planners, so I just cold call her. She picks she up. She answered the phone? 
She picks up. Oh, what year was this? This is like 2009, 2010. You know, answer the phone now. Right? Yeah. So me yeah. and Jill are talking on the phone like 90 minutes. Wow. And Jill's like, um, I normally don't answer the phone. I really kind of have to go. And I'm like, cool, before we go, I'd love to work with you. Send me some stuff, maybe. Whatever. She goes, great. Send me some stuff. So she gives me two big pieces of feedback. One is she doesn't say no, but she's kind of like, keep in touch. You know? like So I was kind of like. She sees you, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Work on it. Yeah. Um, but I felt that. And so I was following after Jill, following up by email. I'm not even lying, like 18 months. Yeah. Just like every other month. Send her, hey, Jill, how's it going? Yeah, boom, yeah, yeah. next thing. I hey, Jill, exactly about that. Boom, next I thing. I just did this I got day. newsletters. Boom, you're on the yeah. newsletter, right? So I'm going, going, yeah. going, going. One day out of the blue, Jill calls me. She goes, I think I have a wedding for you. It's in the Hamptons. Awesome. Um, really lovely family. Uh, 18 months. Yeah, about that. Okay. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll put you in touch. Um... And long story short, I book the wedding. I'm still friends with that couple to this day. Nice. Jill knows this. But the part that makes Jill the happiest and also really makes me the happiest, one of my very best friends in life, in work, is a man named Ray Jarrell, mm -hmm. who at the time was the DJ for that wedding. Oh! And when I met Ray... It was just so amazing because he did the opposite of rejection, even though this is a rejection story because yeah. technically... Well, it was Jill, the first rejection yeah, first. Jill like, gave me the... But you didn't give up. You just yeah, kept going. Well, because she yeah. did it in a way that I think smart business people do it, where she her mindset wasn't, I would never work with you. It was more like, I can't work with you right now. Right. Right? And because she g said it or gave me the impression that it wasn't a never, but it, like a not, not right now, now. Yeah. then... My response was, how about now? How about now? Yeah. How about now? Okay. How about now? And now that doesn't work for certain situations, but for her, in that situation, for that wedding, um, I pushed myself like I'd never pushed myself for that wedding. I made that great connection with the couple and their family, and like they have a and beautiful baby. Friends. My man Ray came oh, out of that. Like, hi, Ray. So much stuff came out of that, but like what I'm really left with is, and I'm saying this not just for the listener who needs to hear it because the rejection feels bottomless for them mm -hmm. right now, but I'm saying it even for me who needs to hear it um, because I've had a lot of like very high highs. It's hard to forget or it's easy to forget when you're winning, so to speak. But it's like believing that not only is karma real, but positive energy with a positive intention never goes right. wrong. It never goes yeah. wrong. And that's so hard to f believe when you don't see the fruit of it. Yeah. And so the thing I'll leave you with, like like the short version of everything that's on my mind right now, as far as like the visual of it is so many good root systems, when you look at trees and plants, below the soil are incredible. Yeah. And they're literally just in a dormant state or they're not, you know, in a vegetative state or they're not producing flowers or whatever. Right. But the root system is completely intact. Mm-hmm. That plant, tree, whatever is going to be fine. No matter what you see at the soil level, it's fine. It's mm -hmm. actually an amazing health. And then on the other hand, you have these situations where the tree looks fantastic, but the root system is all messed all up. All fucked, yeah. Right? And so the result is like, yes, the culture may put a lot of energy into bigging up the pretty looking trees and flowers and plants, mm -hmm. but that root structure, you could literally have that plant for decades with a solid root structure, but if the opposite is true, 
that plant's not making it past it right the season. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Longevity. Nice Get the song. roots strong. Well, thanks for joining me on Thank you. This is awesome. Episode of fucking rejects. We're gonna be right back. Yeah, with we're it. gonna come back. Gonna, <laughs> I'll bring my um I'll bring my studio to you next time. You're gonna see all the plants plan. next time. Yeah, yeah. And thanks for coming on here. Thank you. Until no, next no, week, no, you fucking no, rejects. No, hey. no, 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 no,